Here in America, more than a quarter million baby boomers are turning 65 every month. How are we going to care for them? Robots. There aren't enough people for people. So if there aren't enough people for people, then that is where we need to also introduce technologies and technologies that are actually fundamentally social. On this episode of The Conjectural, using robots for healthcare. I'm Robert Frederick. There are plenty of studies and plenty of data showing that it is far more expensive to treat someone medically, whether at the clinic, hospital, or emergency room, than by preventing the medical condition in the first place. That goes from maintaining a healthy lifestyle to avoiding type 2 diabetes to preventing a fall that might otherwise break a person's hip. Enter robots. Maya Matarik is a robotics researcher at the University of Southern California, Los Angeles. If you think about what is talked about almost exclusively in robotics today is about robotics as automation, as replacing human work. But there's this whole other world of what robotics can do, and that's augmentation. And we need to talk a lot more about that. So it's very natural to talk about that when we think about the elderly, but really we, we should be thinking about that across the age span. But with around 10,000 Americans turning 65 every day, the baby boomers, the thinking really has been about making technology that augments the abilities of older people, not helping them do the work of their jobs. They may be retired, but helping them do the activities of their daily lives. When we're not able to do those kinds of activities, dressing, bathing, eating, opening doors. Sitting back, not having motivation, being depressed, that's when things go bad. And that is, in fact, what happens to a lot of elderly people because they are coping with health challenges and often disabilities. So, for example, if you've had a stroke, now you have diminished ability, this causes depression, this decreases motivation, and so on, and then it's downhill. So, for example, the correlation between breaking a hip, going into an institution, and dying pretty soon thereafter is very strong. So why robots? With people living longer, there just aren't enough people to care for the elderly. But the robots have to be social, because just having the data isn't enough. Just knowing you did 10,000 steps a day, just the data? Most people get bored after a few weeks. Knowing the data doesn't tend to change most people's behavior. If we look at the literature on behavior change, what drives us as humans, the social component is the only thing that reliably makes people change behavior. It makes people lose weight, it makes people recover faster, but there aren't enough people for people. So if there aren't enough people for people, then that is where we need to also introduce technologies and technologies that are actually fundamentally social. But not the technologies that we think of as social today. So not your smartphone, tablet, computer, wall-sized smart television. So not social through screens, Materic says. So there's a big question about screens as an interface. It is possible that screens are actually making us less, not more social, in a fundamental way that makes us healthier. And so that is where robotics could make a difference. This fundamental embodiment that where we're wired to interact with physically embodied creatures like us, that's where socially assistive robotics could make a difference. By socially assistive robotics, think of a robot that is programmed to talk with you, to encourage you to exercise to monitor your activity and send alerts to people if you've fallen down or slow down. It sounds expensive. So in, in my advanced stage of life, I've decided to do what everyone else is doing, which is do a startup. And I can say with confidence that, yes, you can make these technologies affordable. But it all depends on what you're trying to do. If you want to manipulate the world physically, 
and you have to have actuators to move things, that's much more expensive. The social assistive and the monitoring and the data collection and alert stuff can be much more inexpensive. I mean, I think, you know, it can be on the order of uh, cell phone level. I am not as agile as I used to be. So, I mean, one has, I just want to prevent trouble. So that's what, that's sort of maybe the age factor comes in. Regina Baichi is an electrical engineer and computer scientist at the University of California, Berkeley. Along with Materic and another researcher we'll hear from a little later, she was speaking at a press conference at the annual meeting of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. Where, when does the old age start? And my answer is that it is more, more in your mind. It's your mental attitude. And I am still working. I am 93 years old, not 90, 83 years old. <laughs> I'm 83 years old, and I'm still teaching and doing research and learning, which is really a perpetual thing to do in our business. Baichi's work focuses particularly on measuring. That's key to her work. What I do and what I have been doing all my life is focusing on observations, non-invasive observations of your physical movement. How far can you reach? Can you close your bra? Can you wash your face? And so there are all kinds of diseases that muscle diseases and joint diseases that prevent you to do that. And it's not just old, but of course, as you get older, you are more prone to it. So I measure, then I use robotic mathematics to model based on those measurements, kinematics, dynamics. Basically, I became a mechanical engineer at my old age. And, um, and then I predict based on those models, what can you and you cannot do. So it's a diagnostic procedure that I develop. Then, based on what those diagnostics say, she works with mechanical engineers to build assistive devices. So, for example, say you cannot open a jar. You cannot open a jar. You don't have enough torque. We will design for you a little oomph. But the key is that you want to also measure how much can you do so that I don't give you enough, too much torque that I break your wrist. And that concern about safety is why we don't have robots, for the most part, in our homes. Except maybe for some toys and those robots that vacuum the floors. So if a robot is strong enough to, say, pick you up when you fall down, then it has the potential to be dangerous. Of course, once you've fallen down, you might have already broken something. So how to prevent a fall in the first place? Look for the warning signs. We were able to show that if your walking speed declines by about 5 centimeters per second over a week's period, that there's an 86% chance that you're going to fall within the next three weeks. Marjorie Skubik is an electrical and computer engineer at the University of Missouri, Columbia. Her work is in using robots to assist in diagnostics. I mean, it would be pretty hard for a healthcare worker to tell if a patient's walking speed declines by about 5 centimeters per second over a week's period without it, right? The key input into Skubik's system is a depth camera. You might have heard of such cameras on video gaming consoles. 
like the Connect camera by Microsoft. Same thing. That's where each pixel is a distance to the nearest object, right? So it's not like regular video that you might be thinking, norm, you know, most people would think about. And we segment out the people in the scene uh, to create effectively three-dimensional silhouettes. And using that, we can capture in-home gait information, walking speed, stride time, stride length. Um, we, can, we can also calculate how long it takes for someone to get from a sit, sitting position to a standing position or standing to sitting. Uh, you can get trunks way as people move around. All of that feeds into fall risk. And if you know that somebody is at risk of falling, you can get them help so that you can help prevent the fall. And that, of course, is the win. To get that win, to have robots helping the elderly by monitoring or by giving them the physical oomph to open a jar, for example, or giving them the social psychological oomph to stay active, fit, and caring for themselves, that's going to take a shift in how we think about healthcare, which, in this country, is mostly about treatment rather than about health care, caring for health keeping people healthy. Right, if you can keep people out of nursing homes, if you can keep people out of the hospital, there's an enormous cost savings potential there. So the people that have limited financial resources are exactly the people that you want to be able to help. So this is not targeting just the elite. And if what drives us as humans, the social component, is indeed the only thing that reliably makes people change behavior, then to change our healthcare behavior, we need to be talking with one another about adding robots to the healthcare system and making ourselves ready for this change. Because with the aging population, there just aren't enough people to care for the elderly. You've been listening to The Conjectural, a show that's running an experiment. The data for this experiment? Your feedback to theconjectural.com where you can also give the support that makes this show happen, download a transcript, and subscribe. I'm Robert Frederick. Follow me on Twitter at The Conjectural. Thanks for joining us.